Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Hello, Gotham. Joker's back in town. I'm not wearing hockey pants. And now you're listening to the new and improved Outside the Comics Volume 2 podcast with your host, Alfred. No! What is going on, OTC listeners? Another episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast is in life today. Yes, I have returned from my vacation to back here to episode 152. The countdown to Spider-Man No Way Home continues after today. Well, during today to be exact. And be... Before I continue on, I just want to, I'm sure you're curious, oh, how was your vacation? How come you don't post any pictures up? Listen, I'm so bad in posting pictures up right away because, you know, when you're with a significant other and they, you you ever have those moments, and if you're a female yourself, where you take a bunch of pics, but then you overthink to yourself, oh my God, I don't like that pic, I don't like that pic, I don't like that pic, you know what, none of them gets posted. Yeah, that's kind of where I am right now with her. And her, I mean my lazy panda, if you're listening to this, that's right, I mean you, babe. Because the thing is, I have so many pictures, and I could easily build a um an album in my Facebook, right? And the problem is, is the fact that when I post pictures, and then most of them are is not something that she likes. She she then gets mad at me, and then all of a sudden I won't hear the end of it, and I'm like, what the hell? I thought I'm just doing you know something fun. Like who's gonna care? No one really cares as much, except maybe our personal friends and family. But I digress. But nevertheless, I promise they will be uploaded. Hopefully by the end of I'd say Friday or Saturday night. Considering you know I'm still working, still doing voiceover, trying to get my mindset back you know, to my original state, and then see what happens after that. Now, how was my vacation? Well, I will honestly say that it could have been better. It could have been better because I realized something about myself, and it's something that I've known for a very, very long time, but it didn't really accentuate as much as it did literally this past week. I am such a heavy, heavy introvert where I do not need to be entertained 24-7. And when I say I don't need to be entertained, I mean I don't need to go out and do something every single day. I get burned out very, very quickly. I get annoyed very, very easily. It came to the point that the people we went with, and honestly, I really don't care if they hear this, if they hear this recording, I'm being, in order for me to be honest with you, I have to be honest with myself. I did not enjoy it as much as I wanted to. When you go on vacation, whether it's another country, another place, another state, whatever the case may be, it's a sense of not only resetting your mind, but it's a sense of relaxation. It's a sense of having some sort of peace. And I honestly felt like I got none of that. I felt like every single day, even though the activities that we did, you know, the horseback riding, the horseback riding, ATV, hiking, zip lining, you know, the beach, and we, um, you know, we ate good food and everything else. All that was fun and dandy, but I never really got the sense for me to just sit down and relax. It was only during the day 
where right before we had to do something else. And, you know, the mutual friends, they were like, oh, let's go out to drink. Let's go out to eat. Oh, I'm hungry. Let's go, you know, out to Walmart. Let's go out shopping and let's go out to this place and blah, blah, blah. Oh, we're in Puerto Rico. We got to do this. We got to do that. It was too much. It, 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 it was too much. And I did not feel like I enjoyed myself as I wanted to. And quite frankly, it was frustrating during the time and it's disappointing now as I look back on it. Now, as I said, the activities we did was fun. And would I do it all over again? Maybe in another location. But I can honestly say, if you want any advice from me, and I want you to hear me like... I want you to hear me very well. Maybe this pertains to you. Maybe it doesn't. So take it what you will. If I go on vacation, it's going to be either with one other person, my lazy panda, my two best friends, two other people. That's it. I do not want to go with multiple people ever again. The only exceptions, and there are exceptions. You know what? I'm not going to lie. There are exceptions. My personal friends that I went to school with, that I went to college with, my personal friends that I'm still very close with in Pennsylvania, and there's one in LA, you know, those types of people. They're the only exceptions that I would make. But aside from that, I do not want to go with multiple people ever again, because there is a sense where you have to keep each other happy. And there's always going to be that one, maybe, maybe two or three people that are not going to be as happy as everybody else is because as I said it's constantly moving and constantly going and constantly moving it got very tiring very quickly now it could be that what they do is not in my wheelhouse and that's completely fine I should have stated that from the very beginning and I thought I did but the more and more as time went on the more and more I actually wanted to come back home and come back to normal do what I do podcasting voiceover you know watch Marvel watch DC uh, work at the radio station do whatever I gotta do for myself that was my sense of normality and I'm actually glad that we ended up changing flights one because I had to come back to work early and two I just really wanted to come back home and I'm glad that I'm home next year you know, since a lot of people are like planning their New Year's resolutions, which I don't really follow as much, but I still like to plan and I still want to have, you know, goals and sense of accomplishments. So if there is a spot that I do want to go to in terms of me enjoying it for myself, whether I go alone or not, one of them is going to be LA. I've been talking about it for years and it's somewhere that I really want to go. Another spot would probably be Las Vegas, but that's more of my Lizzie Pandas plan in terms of what she wants to do the sky the sky's the limit here the sky's the limit what I do know is this the next vacation that I do want that I do go with it's only going to be a very small group and when I say small maybe three or four people not seven not nine not eleven none of that so again to each his own I'm an introvert I can deal with people It's just, I have a limit. Vacations are about relaxation. It's about having a sense of peace. And as I said earlier, I feel like I haven't gotten that. So, it is what it is. 
But now that we are back, we are back, and the countdown to Spider-Man No Way Home continues. So today, I'm going to quickly review The Amazing Spider-Man 2, Mark Webb's Spider-Man 2 with Andrew Garfield. But apparently, there's been other stuff that's been going on, especially when it comes to Spider-Man. For one thing, we got a teaser trailer for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse part one so it's the second film of, of the trilogy but it's the first before an actual comic it's like a comic series and it's the first of a two-parter but it's the second of a trilogy so if you're confused by that don't be it it pretty much went across the board uh and then some other news that's been going on with a little bit of stuff and something that i've noticed with hawkeye as of late i'm not gonna spoil what's been going on if you haven't seen it or if you haven't caught up to it, it's fine. I'm not going to spoil anything, but it's something that I noticed and it's something that I, I definitely want to make this clear observation. Also, I want to tease in terms of what's going to happen Friday because there will be a special guest coming on. And I've been confirmed many times that it's going to happen. How is it going to be? Eh, there's only one way to know. All that plus our super villain quote of the day. But first, like we always do about this time... Let's get the shout out of the way, shall we? And if you know me, you know full well that I'm a huge UFC fan, that I'm a huge MMA fan. That's right. This weekend, this Saturday night, UFC 269, you got Dustin Diamond Poirier, the number one lightweight in all of the heavyweight division. I'm sorry, not heavyweight. What am I talking about? He's going to face off against the champion, Charlie Olives, Charles Dubronx. Oh, I can't even say his name very well, but I'm going to say his name very well. The Chucky Olives, Charles Oliveira. And the co-main event, you got Amanda Nunes, the female GOAT, the female greatest of all time, facing off against Juliana Pena. When is that fight going to end? I would say maybe in the first round. Could there be an upset? Who the hell knows? You're going to have to pay for the pay-per-view and then see for yourself. And then all the fun fights that goes on, and hopefully I get to see it with my best friends. UFC 269, live, coming to you, and only on pay-per-view. I seriously need a script where I can actually say everything as much as I want to say, and then I can get my promo skills up there, because, you know, with all the excitement that's been going on, it's, it's one thing to just say it off the top of my head. So, that's just, there it is. UFC 269, this Saturday night, on pay-per-view. Be there or be triangular. Beat me! If you can. <laughs> Just out of that little part right there. That's all we have for the shoutouts. Let's dive into some Spider-Man talk. And some other things that's been going on. Some things that's on my mind. And that comes right in a bit. There's definitely going to be a lot of stuff to just pack in in the next 20 to 30 minutes, considering that I've been away for a while, as you already know. And what better way to try to nitpick a little bit of the stuff that's been going on, especially when it comes to news that surrounds Spider-Man, Batman, or whatever the case may be. So, I don't want to start from the least, rele uh, least relevant to the most relevant. It's been a while since I've actually done a top five, you know, type of a thing, but... 
I jotted down a few notes, and this is basically going to appear random. So, with that being said, let's get right down to it. Now, as of recently, J.K. Simmons says that it was heartbreaking for him that they, meaning the director, Sam Raimi, and the studios, essentially canceled Spider-Man 4. You know, back then, remember seeing Spider-Man 3, and I know I gave a review for this already. We were thinking that there was a strong chance that the fourth movie was going to introduce the Sinister Six in some way, shape, or form. That maybe they would interclude, interclude, is that a word? Interclude? Include more villains for Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man to try to go through. And J.K. Simmons, you know, being J. Jonah Jameson, you can tell that he was very passionate about the work that he was doing. He had fun. And us, meaning the fans, we had fun in terms of watching it, in terms of experiencing with it, because for the simple reason that we grew up with these films, so we resonate with them so much more. And it was not only heartbreaking to him, it was pretty much heartbreaking to everybody, if you grew up during that time. Now, we can sit here and try to ponder off in terms of what exactly happened with the production of Spider-Man 4, and I believe I already gave my uh, quick, not a quick review, but... A small talk about it. I know eventually I'm going to do a review of what could have happened or what did happen. In case that anybody forgot, let me just jot down. Basically, after the studio interference of what happened with Spider-Man 3, including Venom, when Sam Raimi didn't want to include Venom. And, you know, the third movie really, really had heavy hands-on, especially dealing with studio interference. They wanted to pitch a script. Or pitched the ideas to Sam Raimi that knew full well that he did not want to continue doing. He knew right then and there during that time. And I believe this was around 2009-2010 when the fourth Spider-Man movie was supposed to come out. He knew at that time that if it could not be perfect. If the script was not perfect. If the direction where Spider-Man 4 was going to go was not good. He was never going to do it. He'd rather do no movie. No movie is better than the worst piece of shit of a movie. Because remember. Sam Raimi got heavily, heavily shit on with what happened with Spider-Man 3. And we can go back on and on about all the problems that the production has had. And the the choices that they made. And you know the decisions and all the stuff. And you would think that when actors. And I never worked in Hollywood. So maybe I don't know for myself. Okay. And I would love one day to actually sit down with an actor and ask them. Listen. Whenever you're given a script by the director, by the writers, by the studios, does it ever occur to you that maybe this is not a good idea when you read through it? Or are you the type of person, are you the type of actor that would rather get paid, think that it's good, and then you're just going to do it? Do you ever rewatch your films or do you ever look back and be like, hey, this is stupid, I'm not going to do this? I'm... I really want to, I really really want to add obviously every actor has their different interpretation every actor has different answers every actor has their own way of trying to deal with certain things especially when it's something that they don't they don't agree with however I can also look at it from another perspective in the fact that if you are given a task for a job whether it's acting promoting producing you know anything along those lines or even any job that has nothing to do with any of that and your boss tells you to do something Obviously, it's your job. You're going to fucking do it. 
And if you don't, they're going to get someone else who does. Because one thing that we've learned about a cutthroat business like this is anyone is replaceable, anyone is expendable. And maybe, and I have no proof that this is what happened with the Spider-Man productions, but maybe they were probably thinking, yeah, I'm not going to fucking do this. This is fucking stupid. You know what? Let's just stop right then and there. Because essentially, that's what happened with Andrew Garfield, if you truly, truly think about it. They were supposed to do a Sinister Six movie as a, in, but not an in-between quill, but more like a, well, I guess you can call it a mid-quill. Literally in between The Amazing Spider-Man 2 and The Amazing Spider-Man 3. And they were going to connect everything together. And that's what we're going to dive into a little bit more later on. So to say and to hear, not to say, but to hear J.K. Simmons actually complaining. Not complaining, I'm sorry. I'm trying to choose my words carefully. To him saying that the cancellation of Spider-Man 4 was heartbreaking because he really wanted to know what, what would have happened next or what could the next you know, installment would be for the franchise is heartbreaking. I completely believe him because like anything else, he's a fan. He's like us. We're fans at the end of the day. We're fans first. And we, we, we could come up with tons of scenarios of what could have happened next, you know, and it sucks. You know, if, if there was an alternate, if the alternate universe exists and we could see a Spider-Man 4 movie right then and there at that time, we, we would probably do it. And maybe it's probably best on looking at the other side of the coin here. Maybe it's probably best that we just never got that shot. And it sucks. It really does. But at the same time, you know, again, we have to accept things for what it is. And all we can do is just move on. A little other piece of news. Uh, Colin Farrell has officially signed on to return for the Batman spinoff series, The Penguin. We've already spoke about this before. We spoke about DC Comics that they are trying to learn from their mistakes in terms of following Marvel's plan to get all superheroes together without giving individual um, uh, storylines and back, I was about to say back pieces, um, you know, past scenarios. And with the success of the Joker, it's pretty clear that DC Comics is now focusing on every single individual villain as as they are, which is unique and it's new. I wouldn't say it's new in terms of focusing on a villain's storyline. You know, who's the protagonist, who the antagonist. Is Batman going to be involved? Is, is it going to be against them in Gotham? Is it going to be similar to what we've seen in the Gotham series from Fox? Is it going to be similar to that? You can chalk up to all of these scenarios and you can chalk up to all these similarities. But one thing that I found very fascinating about the Penguin, I remember watching Batman 1992, Batman Returns, and I remembered on how tragic the Penguin's life was when he was disowned, neglected, and tossed aside with because of how he looked, because of what his family essentially did to him. And he grew up in the sewer, and obviously this is the Tim Burton version. This is not exactly how it went on in the actual comics, some similarities, as I just said. But it's kind of a tragic tale, if you truly think about it, and it shaped him to become the villain that he was. There's a certain similarity, I keep saying that word, there's a certain similarity in terms of dealing with villains, and the main antagonist itself is society. In this case, it's Gotham. The shape of Gotham in terms of going against you, because of how you look, how you act, how you are, your upbringings, your past, your connections to wealth or poverty, whichever the case may be. 
And Gotham seemed to be its own enemy where it goes against these villains. And I, that's, and I think that's what they're going to do with the spinoff series in terms of the Penguin. We've already seen it shaped with the Gotham series. We've already seen it in other forms of media, especially the animated films or the animated shows. We've already seen that. But to see it in live action again in its own unique take, especially when it comes to a new direction in terms of where DC Comics is going to take Batman and focus on their rogue gallery, it's pretty interesting. And it's something that I'm definitely looking forward to. The only way they could drop this ball is if they make it too similar to the Joker or too similar to what we've seen already. And hopefully... Whoever writes the script and whoever does a good job with it, we can see what happens next. And you know what? Why the hell not? Next, a little piece of news. The Shang-Chi sequel is in the works. This we've already known already, so I'm not going to harper too much on this. We've said it before many times. When a movie is successful, they're bound to warrant a sequel, especially since the actor... The actor really is dead set and focused on proving a lot of people wrong. And I get it. You know, a lot of us, maybe myself included, kind of jumped the gun because we've seen when other characters that are focused on their diversity and representation, they usually don't go very well. And like I said, you know... The movie did well. The movie did good. And I liked it. Didn't love it. I liked it. And congrats on the second movie being made. Congrats with that. Big piece of news. Kevin Feige confirms that Charlie Cox is in the is in the MCU. He will be MCU's Daredevil. So I kind of want to... I don't want to harper too much on this. But this is kind of a no-brainer. Imagine what would have happened if Kevin Feige said that Charlie Cox was not going to be Daredevil. There would have been riots, boycotts, petitions, and there would have been such an uproar because Charlie Cox, don't get me wrong, Ben Stiller, not Ben Stiller, I'm sorry, Ben Affleck, Ben Stiller, Jesus, Ben Affleck did okay. He did okay from the 2003 film of Daredevil. He did okay, but Charlie Cox is Daredevil. And there's no one that can replace him. No one. But I think the main question is, as I said, it was a no-brainer. The main question is, if he's involved, who else is involved? Is Vincent D'Onofrio coming back as Kingpin? Is he going to be introduced in the Hawkeye show? Is Jessica Jones coming back? Is Luke Cage coming back? Is the Punisher coming? The Punisher, which is funny, um, John Berthenol, Bernthal, sorry if I might uh, if I pronounce his last name, I'm so bad with names. The Punisher, he said that he will not come back as the character if it is watered down. Which means that if it's PG-13 in any way, shape, or form, he just will not do it. And you know what? I have to, I have to commend him for that. I have to give him such praise for that. It's what I said over and over. It's what I bitched about for weeks, months on end when it came to Venom, Let There Be Carnage. When you take a character that is a rated R character and you turn him into PG-13, it is such a slap in the face of the character and it's such a slap in the face to fans because you do not get the same effect from that character as you would if it's rated R. I understand there are PG-13 versions. I understand there are shows. I understand there's like animated movies. I understand there's tons of content, especially when it comes to family-friendly type of an audience. In this case, us. 
Disney. But, but when you're dealing with a character that has suffered hell and back, going through the military, losing his family, um, essentially justifies himself to kill people, uses the Punisher skull to intimidate his enemies, and do whatever he can to get shit done in the most brutal way fashion, you cannot water down what we've gotten from Netflix to a Disney version of, of themselves and then expect for everything to be howdy doody Yankee Doodle. Do you, do you know what I mean? So, John knows what this character means to him. And he's poured so much of himself to make this character work. He had to go to therapy after these shows were over. Because it was essentially messing him up mentally. So, again, doing a watered-down version of that character is a big no-no. And I'm hoping... That if they're going to continue on with Daredevil, if he's going to be in Echo, if he's going to be in his own show, if there's going to be other characters included, let's keep the same tone as best we can. Let's keep the same dark tones, the same realistic tones. Let's just keep them the way. Let's not change a damn thing. I understand there's going to be different directors. I understand there's going to be different showrunners. I completely get that. I understand that. But we're not stupid. We, the fans, are not stupid. We've seen the shows, and we know that when it comes to these characters, they are brutal at what they do because they're more realistic. There's a reason why this is dark as shit, and it should be considered that way. It should continue to be considered that way, and doing anything else, in my opinion, it's a crime against humanity. So I'm happy that Charlie Cox is going to stay as Daredevil, now I'm curious in terms of who else is going to join him. So, there is that to say the least. Now that we got all those little news, hopefully I'm not missing something. If I if I do, then I'll probably bring it up next time. Let's talk about Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. We saw the teaser trailer. And I like the fact that Gwen Stacy... By the way, before I continue on, the Rule 34 art... That I've been seeing as of late, as soon as you have that scenario where she opens up her, uh, she opens up Miles' notebook and you see him, you know, that he drew her and she says that I miss you too. It was cute, it was dandy, but the Rule 34 art style, based on that, based on the editing, I'm, I don't hate on it, it's just an observant, it's, it's just something that I observe, is amazing. It's amazing in terms of how much people really, like, oh my god. I can't even put it up to words. I really can't. It's amazing to me of how quickly people use that as an advantage to do their own Rule 34 version. Because as soon as I saw that, I'm like, yep, we're going to see tons of artwork with that. And if you do not know what Rule 34 is, you are lying to yourself. You know exactly what I mean. I'm not going to get very graphic. I'm not going to go into details. Go on Twitter and then look up scenarios just that scene alone just that scene alone so that's all I'm gonna say about that I like the fact that the characters look a little older which means you know maybe it's been a while um I believe they said that this version comes in a couple of years after the events of the first movie so I find that to be very good uh based on the teaser trailer from what I've seen the colors um, of the animation are a lot more vibrant, which I'm not going to say is a negative, but I kind of want the other colors 
from the first movie. This one is a little bit too light for me. And this is, again, this is just a personal opinion. You know, to each their own. You probably think to yourself, oh my god, the colors are perfect. Awesome. I'm glad you love them. For me, they're a little bit too light. And this could be because he's traveling through dimensions. He's traveling through, you know, he's going across the multiverse. And the fact that you just see Miguel O'Hara, Spider-Man 2099, just tossing him around. <laughs> I just find that to be very interesting. I do hope we get a fight scene between him and Miles. That that would be awesome. Like two Latino Spider-Man actually going up against each other. That would be pretty cool. You know, even if it's for a short time, that would be pretty cool. You know, um, I know the returning voice actors are going to be appearing for those roles. So that's awesome. And the movie will be coming out October 7th. If memory serves me correctly, October 7th, 2022. So next year. And I cannot wait. I can't wait. I'm a massive Spider-Man fan, as you already know. Love me some Miles. Love me some Gwen, Spider-Gwen. And I'm interested to know... I hope they introduce Silk. Like, I, I know I know they're planning to do a Silk movie or Silk show. I really want um Silk to be introduced. Not Spider-Woman. We need more Silk. We need more... If maybe this is my way of saying we need more representation, especially for female characters. But guess what? I love female superheroes. So I'm a guy. Sue me. It is what it is. You know, I, I definitely want more Silk. I want Black Cat. I definitely want Black Cat. I want Silk. I want maybe not Spider-Woman, but I don't know. I, I, I think if you give me Gwen, Spider-Gwen and Silk, I'll be happy. You know, give me Spider-Man Noir again. I love, you know, I do like the Spider-Ham, Peter Porker. I like him. Um, maybe you can introduce the symbiote Spider-Man in and of himself. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, maybe you can introduce the, um, what was that Spider-Man animated show where he turned, <clears throat> losing my voice a little bit, where he turned invisible. He went into stealth mode. Spider-Man Unlimited. Maybe you can introduce him on that one. Um, ben Riley. There you go. You get give me Ben Riley. You know, as diehard Spider-Man fans, you can introduce Silk, Ben Riley, Black Cat. I'll be happy. I'll be happy. You know. So time will tell in terms of what's going to happen next. Time will tell. Before we get into the main event of the evening, in terms of the Amazing Spider-Man Two. Here's my observation of what I've seen from Hawkeye. And like I said, there's going to be no spoilers from everything that I've seen. We know, as of late, Disney is doing their best to show representation, especially when it comes to diversity of cultures, in terms of sexual orientation, in terms of race. We've known that already. And most of the time, they or the media, the people like to shove it down, uh, shove it down our throats. Be uh, before I continue on, I will say this is not a complaint. This is an observation that I've made. After seeing last week's Hawkeye episode three, it's pretty clear that they're focusing more on people with disabilities. And I have to say, it's a very unique perspective and something that I have not thought of before. There was a scene where Hawkeye was essentially 
talking to his wife. He thought he was talking to his wife. He lost his hearing aid because, as we know, Hawkeye is hearing impaired. And when he realized that it went, when we realized as the fans, as the audience, that when he was talking to his son, and Kate Bishop was essentially helping him in terms of communicating with him, it was such a subtle and heartbreaking scene. Because it made me realize of how many people actually go through this on a daily basis whenever they don't have access to, you know, types of equipment and types of technology that can actually help them whenever they are disabled through one of their senses. And then when you got, when we introduced the backstory of Echo in terms of, you know, her... Uh, speaking sign language, you know, her being a mute or somewhat of a mute or she deaf. I believe a little bit of both. I'm sorry if I'm not, if I haven't gotten that cleared yet. I've only seen the episode once, but basically she's also disabled too. And she has one leg and she has one leg. So it's pretty clear that this show is focusing more on the disabled uh, representation of disabled people as opposed to their sexual orientation and their race and everything else that really is like is hitting us until we're blue in the face and you know what that's something I have to commend for them for that because again it's something that I've not thought of before and it's something that I feel very strongly for especially since I can put my, I can't put myself in their situation because I never felt that way but I can imagine how many people go through this on a daily basis and it's heartbreaking it really is and I think that's why introducing Daredevil what whether it's in this show Hawkeye maybe in the last episode we'll get a sneak peek of Echo and uh, of Echo I'm sorry did I say Hawkeye Daredevil of Echo and Daredevil, Echo and Matt Murdock, because he's blind. So if you can get all three of these characters together in some way, it'll definitely reach the point of cross that people that are, whether they're blind, hearing impaired, uh, mute, deaf, whatever the case may be, that you can do things too. That you can do wondrous things as well in your own way. And I feel like this show, again, that subtle... That subtle scene definitely has shown that you can be more just because you, you lost one of your senses. You know what I mean? And that's something that I have to respect. And that's something that I do admire. Because if that, God forbid, that happened to me, I would need something to help me to keep going as well. Or to at least help me believe that I'm just as good, if not great, as anybody else. So, again, this is an observation, and maybe one day I would love to interview someone that also suffers through this, that is a massive comic book fan, what inspires them, what helps them going, or even if they're not impaired in any way, maybe they have a mental disability, maybe they, you know, they suffer in some way. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is, I want to hear your story. If you suffer through this in any way, shape, or form, I want to hear your story. I want you to share yourself and put yourself out there and for you to be comfortable in talking to someone and have someone like me be aware of the struggles and the positives and the negatives 
of what goes on in your life. So, I'm sorry that I got super Debbie down about this, but, you know, again, this is something that I observed. Last thing, I promise, last thing before we go on to the main event, uh, Venom 3 is in the works, is in the planning stage, according to Amy Pascal, who is the, I believe she's the producer for Sony, I think. I don't know, but she basically makes a lot of the decisions that has to go on with Spider-Man and any of the Spider-Man Rogue. From what I can tell, you know what? I don't want to say this. I I don't want to be too detailed in this because there could be a massive spoiler for Venom 3. So I'll wait for a potential trailer to come out. But if they are going to do the crossover between Venom and Spider-Man... It has to see, I have to see for myself in terms of next week movie, goddamn, only next week, wow. I have to see for myself in terms of how the ending of next movie is going to be and where Tom Holland is going to go from there. I know there has been also an additional news that Tom Holland, that he's not going to be done with No Way Home, that there's going to be multiple projects that involves him being Spider-Man moving forward. But yet, he complains that if he's still playing Spider-Man until the age of 30, that there's something wrong. I could put my own spin on that in terms of what he said. From my perspective, I'm pretty sure he means if he played the character a little bit too long, then he won't be happy with it. And I don't think fans will be happy with that either. So, again, to each their own. Because Spider-Man is a young character. And if that's how he feels, that's how he feels. You know, we can't make him. There's always going to be, as long as someone wears a mask like that, there's always going to be another Spider-Man in the future. Always. You know, Tobey Maguire went to Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield went to Tom Holland. And there's been other Spider-Man before Tobey Maguire. You know, so there's neither here nor there. But that's it for all of the news. Now, let me talk about the amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh my goodness, where do we go from here? Holy crap. Here we go. Remember one in the uh, yeah, yeah, getting tongue-tied. Remember the past couple of weeks where I said that the Spider-Man franchise has been on a roller coaster and ever since uh, the amazing Spider-Man has started, it just went downhill. Well, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 just went down into a moment where it could not come back from an endless abyss. A lot of the complaints that I have is basically similar to the same complaints that I had with Spider-Man 3. Multiple characters, multiple scenarios, too many cooks in one kitchen, studio interference, and there's so much that goes on in this movie that I could be here for hours Just to even talk about. One thing that was very disappointing to me was... I'm sorry. I started off with the last review with The Amazing Spider-Man in terms of what I hated. And that was the suit. Well, I'm going to start off in this movie with something that I loved. I love this suit. It is my favorite Spider-Man suit in the entire franchise. Including Tobey Maguire's. Including Tom Holland's. There's something about the Amazing Spider-Man 2's suit that is basically like a copy. It, it, it looks like it ripped right out of the page out of a comic book in general. 
The colors are vibrant. The physique, being skinny, but it works for him. The big white eyes, I love it. I love it. And when I look at him, I'm like, that's Spider-Man right then and there. So this is my favorite suit in the entire franchise period. So that's the only thing that I do love. I do like, I do like the obsession that Jamie Foxx's Electro has for Spider-Man. Even though it's a common trope that we have seen from many villains in terms of how they became bad. They always have some kind of obsession with their hero or their idol. And they something happens to them and then they go the wrong way. We've seen this with the Riddler in Batman Forever. We've seen this with Cheetah from Wonder Woman 2. And we've seen this with The Amazing Spider-Man 2. It is a common trope for characters like this. And I don't know why it gets rehashed. Even though Wonder Woman 2 came out way after this movie. But it's a, it's, it is a common trope. And I don't know why Hollywood seems to do that over and over. But I digress. Although it played off very well in the context of the story because in a way you can actually feel for his character where he is obsessed with him and he feels like he's been betrayed like all he really wanted was to be noticed he wants to he's been you can tell from the very beginning of the movie he's been neglected he's been neglected throughout his entire life he's a loser he's not thoroughly um on anyone's radar and you essentially feel creeped out by him, but you essentially feel sorry for him at the same time. And the scene where they're in Times Square, where Spider-Man is trying to help him, and you can't help the public, you can't help the media, that they're always going to have their intention on Spider-Man, and Electro feels betrayed, he feels threatened, he feels neglected, he feels like Spider-Man is just like everybody else. So that fight scene alone, even though there was a weird decision with the whole uh, techno music that went on. What the hell was that? <laughs> he lied to me. He's using me. <laughs> oh my god. I never understood people's fascination with techno. I mean, techno was fun to an extent, but... Oh my goodness, I, I hate that plane. I have to move my booth. I, I seriously have to move my booth. I hate that plane. I hate that plane that goes on on the opposite side. But yeah, so... It was funny. To say the least. And... I just... I, I, I'm sorry, I just found that hilarious. What else did I like? Um, I remember seeing the movie the first time. And I completely forgot that Gwen Stacy died... In the comics. And that's how the original. Um, first Spider-Man comics. I believe it was one of the first issues that came out. Where she died by getting her neck snapped. And in this movie. It's nearly the exact same way. And she basically hit her head on the concrete. Her head should have been smashed. The back of her head should have been smashed. If it did hit the ground. But you know. It, it was a heartbreaking scene. And. It's essentially something that I forgot. I kind of accidentally spoiled myself by watching the variance um, review of the Spider-Man movie. Especially what happened with Gwen Stacy. So that was my fault. But I did like that. It was very, very emotional. Um, aside from that, 
there wasn't really anything much. I did. Oh, yes, the ending. Well, the ending, even though was a carbon copy from the trailer, I did like the fact. And again, I think I spoke about this before when it comes to kids and their parents just letting them go and then letting them do whatever the hell they want. There's something that when it comes to parents letting their kids go or not watching over their kids, the kid just goes underneath the, the rails and then he's he's literally standing up against Rhino. That was a good scene. That was definitely a good scene. I really like that scene. I also like the scene where Spider-Man helps that same kid from way earlier in the movie. And, you know, he's helping him against... He didn't help him against bullies, but, you know, he stood up against bullies. They run away. And he fixes his little windmill project. And I'm like, that's Spider-Man. That's exactly who he is. He takes his time to actually help uh, to help out people. Individuals, kids at a time. Tom Holland did it in his movie from Homecoming. Hell, the Spider-Man game from PS4, they did that at the same time when Spider-Man was training with Miles and then let Miles get socked him in the face. That's Spider-Man. And it's those little details that I absolutely enjoyed. And I like that. And I really wanted more of that. The whole thing with Harry Osborn and the Green Goblin and apparently he has this... this genetic disease that's killing him even though he's very young in his life and he's trying to get Spider-Man's blood to to think that he can cure him and then essentially you know Spider-Man became Spider-Man because there was an infusion with his with with his blood with spiders and again so many cooks in the kitchen so many fucking cooks in the kitchen. It, it it just came to the point where I'm like, what the bloody hell is going on? Like, what what are you doing? You know, we see Norman Osborn and he looks like he looks like he could be in the Lord of the Rings movie, so you know, there was that. Rhino was barely Rhino. And it's so interesting, the marketing for this movie, because they literally depict it as Spider-Man facing off against three villains, when essentially he only faced maybe one and a half, if that. So, and obviously towards the end where this movie, there were so many references to the Sinister Six that they were trying to build up for this movie. It's amazing to me on how the production of this thing lasted or how it ended. Because when Andrew Garfield spoke against this movie, saying that it could have been better, but it was downright shit, I'm paraphrasing here, they essentially fired him. They essentially fired him because he spoke out against it. And I remember he had an interview, I forgot the woman's name, it was Amy something, but it's the same woman that played Lois Lane from the DC Extended Universe. It was heartbreaking for him because he realized at the time that storytelling and character development is never the first priority of a studio. Their first priority is about making money. And I think this movie definitely has portrayed that very, very strongly because it does not matter what anyone says. It's all about making the bottom dollar. Once Andrew Garfield realized that, I'm sure he gave Tom Holland as much advice as humanly possible 
um, advice where he goes, listen, make sure you're doing the right thing, you know? And it sucks because I would have loved to see an amazing Spider-Man 3. I would have loved to see, it's like with Spider-Man 4. I would have loved to see where they would have gone from there. I really would have. The movie had definitely had a lot of downtime with the emotional connection, the on and on and off again between him and Gwen Stacy. It, it Again, it's very, very similar to Spider-Man 3. But at least the difference with that and Spider-Man 3 is Spider-Man 3 had a narrative. It wasn't a strong narrative, but it was a narrative in terms of where they were going. People hated Spider-Man. There's a reason why he did what he did. The, the, symb- the symbiote got involved. The ending happened. Yada, bada, bing, bada, boom. Boom, everything is done. And then we got what we got. It just became a gigantic clusterfuck. The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is probably the worst of the entire franchise. The worst. There were good moments. More bad ones than good. And it doesn't justify it being one of the top three if at all. At all. There's no mistake about it. I guess maybe one day if they're going to do a reboot reboot, which I know full well they may somewhere 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road. If Sony is still standing, hopefully they learn from their mistakes. And if Tom Holland or Spider-Man in general does come back to Sony... What is the old saying? Those who don't, those who do not learn from history, are doomed to repeat it. So, there's that, and there's really nothing more for me to say. The Amazing Spider-Man Two was shite. Good moments, loved the suit, but it was still shite nonetheless. And that's all I gotta say about that. That's all we have for today on this episode of Outside the Comics Volume 2 Podcast. Once again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know this went on a little bit longer than expected, but what do you expect? I've been away for a while. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, if you want to get on the podcast, if you want to talk about anything and everything that it comes, and if it doesn't want to be a part of comics, it could be about something else, you know what to do. Hit me up. Voice of Garcia on Twitter or my Instagram. I'm always on Twitter. Twitter is my favorite thing to be on. I'm on it every single day. You could easily hit me up from there. If you have any projects that you want me to do, any if you want to work any podcasting stuff, any intros, any outros, anything that deals with comics, anything that deals with martial arts, anything at all, you let me know, hit me up, and we will talk about something right then and there. Now, in terms of how this Friday is going to go, I do have a special guest. I can't reveal the details of the special guest yet, but it has something to do with my job, and this individual is a strong Spider-Man enthusiast, and he's been wanting to... He is hyping up for this movie that's coming out next week. It's literally one week away. Nine days, to be exact. Nine days. Eight days, if you want to see it Thursday night. Eight days away. And he's enthusiastic, and he asked to be on my show for a while now so we can talk about it. And I'd be more than happy to have him on what we're going to talk about, what questions I'm going to ask him. He's a young guy, so I'm not insulting his intelligence, 
But let's just say there's going to be a lot more excitement that's hyping up for this movie coming. I just have to choose my questions carefully because I haven't really seen the entire trailer yet. And I'm afraid he might spoil something for me. So we'll see what happens. But that's what's going on this Friday. The countdown to Spider-Man No Way Home continues with two more Spider-Man films to review. Homecoming. Re-review to be exact. Homecoming and Far From Home. I already reviewed these movies before. But I want to see if I can come up with a new perspective in terms of what I think when I see these movies again. Now, with that being said, let's go into our supervillain quote of the day because I have been talking so much. This movie, this this movie, this podcast is already going to go close to an hour as it is. So let's get right down to it. This quote is from none other than the Rhino himself. You fight me, you fight me now. And all I have to say about that is that was probably the worst Russian accent that I've ever put on in my life. It's as simple as that. That's it. Really nothing much to ponder on that one. There really isn't. See you next time, guys. Stay safe. Remember, don't drink and drive. Don't set any trees on fire. Especially with the craziness of what's been going on in New York. Jesus Christ. Just be safe out there, guys. And I'll see you next time. Till then, remember, when it comes to news, of comics, movies, shows, or whatever the case may be, always remember... If you hear about it, and you read about it, I talk about it, controversial or otherwise. Stay safe. Till next time, I'm done, I'm through. Peace out.